This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Known and Never podcast. It is, of course, the preview show. We are turning around these fixtures thick and fast after that Wolves game midweek. This week I'm joined by regular analyst Rich Steele and we're going to be looking back at that disappointing loss away in Wolves midweek. The terrifying news that Luca Coliosha has been out for, well, sorry, will be out for the rest of the season and what that means for our attacking threat and exactly what the Clarets can expect of their away trip this weekend to Brighton. Without further ado, let's go. Rich, it's you and me. We're flying solo on the preview show this week. Dave has given us all of his stats and facts ahead of that Brighton game, but he can't make the show, unfortunately. So um, it's you and me. Just the Fantastic. I wouldn't I want it any other way. Oh, I see. <laughs> Tom's getting binned. You're absolutely my favourite. We've been, he's been threatening this for a long time. He got a bit lazy, did Tom? He thought that he was going to have the badge of my favourite. Of for course. Him, but he, didn't, he didn't work hard for it. So, yeah, sorry, sorry, Tom, you've been relegated. Um, okay, let's start off with a quick summary of where we are. Since the last time we spoke to our listeners, the Clarets had that away trip to Molyneux midweek. Um, played very, very well in, in the first half, I thought. We were starting to look like a side that belonged in the Premier League rather than, I think, as, as Tom put it, um, a championship side that had won a sweepstakes to get into the Premier League. Um, and then we get hit by that devastating goal and which just threw us, completely derailed us, threw us off our tracks and we never really recovered. So I guess I'm going to kick off this show with just a summary of how you're feeling after that result and what that means to you in terms of where we are right now as a team. It was uh, extremely disappointing, extremely frustrating. I said on the podcast that we did uh, post the Sheffield United game, you know, spirits had got, got higher mm. and I felt we needed a good result um, against Wolves. And if it's more of the same old, you know, it, it'll be kind of Groundhog Day again. And it really, and it felt like that. I think you hit the nail on the head perfectly. I think we played really well first half. Wolves have overall have been very good this season. And yeah, if it have. wasn't for, and if it wasn't for some uh, questionable VAR decisions, uh, to say the least, I think they'd be higher up the table. And I thought overall, you know, we dominated the game. I thought Burge is looking better and better. He's so good. <laughs> yeah, he was driving forward. They, they couldn't cope with him. But it's just more of the same, isn't it? It's just we're dominating games. 
we we force a mistake out of them and people might see it differently. People might think, well, Rodriguez, you know, he hit it well. To me, you've got to be scoring there. You've got to hit the corners. Yeah. He hit it straight at the goalkeeper and obviously he's, he's made a good follow-up save from Brownell. And then when that goal went in, you couldn't believe it, but you couldn't no. believe it at yeah. the same time. It was just like, you're just watching it and I just sank into the back of my seat. I was just like, this can't be happening mm. again. You know, you can point fingers at, O'Shea and at Burge, but collectively again, there's just too many mistakes. And the frustrating thing about the Sheffield, uh, the frustrating thing about that goal was, including the Sheffield United game and the Wolves game, I think we was willing to go a little bit longer. Yeah, and just like I've seen a couple of people put screenshot images which doesn't show the full reflection of the game, and obviously O'Shea's played it to Burge. He's over it the pass a little bit. He's fired it in. They pressed it. Burge has done a bad touch. You know, Burge is to blame for the goal as much as O'Shea. And then, obviously, we've got punished for it and he's took his chance away. And then, you know, Luca goes off and I know we're going to mention, you know, the ramifications of that, which is really disappointing. The sub was terrible. I was going to say, well, let, let's pause on that. Terrible sub. You were really terrible. annoyed at the time. And I think a lot of us terrible. did a lot of better options, we think, for coming off the bench rather than yeah. JBD. What is it about that sub that made it so negative. disappointing it, it was a negative substitution. We all know Goodmanton's a good player. He's a very tidy, he's a very neat player. He won't give the ball away. But you were... Say if Brun Larson went off and you brought Goodmanton on, I could understand it. Yeah. But you have the two of them on the pitch and they're both technically good players, but they've got no pace. And as soon as Collie Osho went off, we literally lost our attacking yeah, threat. Did. The same happened in the West Ham game. When, when he went off and I really do worry for us now he's not going to be playing because for me as soon as he went off in the remainder of the second half we had zero threat yeah we looked really game. poor didn't we? Do second you think... half we were terrible let's, think... let's just put it we were terrible yeah we half. were that second half performance was awful well, basically it was lacklustre boring yeah so what what do you think it was when we did lose Collier or Show? is it is it just a technical imbalance in the side and that we don't have anybody well, as excited as him to play? Is it a mental block that they've got where they can't, they're out of shape? I think there's two factors. I think there's two factors to it. If if you give Collie Osho the ball from 30 yards out, he'll push you up the pitch. He'll yeah. run at his defender. He'll beat them one-on-one. -on -one. He'll cut inside. He'll go on the inside. Even if you win a throw-in, you, you, know, you do get further up the pitch and then you can get carnage. You can build a bit of momentum because he, he takes defenders away. It gives players like Amduni more space and, and then he's threatening. As soon as Collie Osho went off, I don't think Amduni hardly touched the ball. No. And then and then there was a few times Gunmanson got it. And if that was Collie Osho instead, Collie Osho would be running at the defenders, but Gunmanson's ends up just turning back inside, passing it. And then yeah. you let Wolves get back in the shape. And so I think that's what happened. So for me, if you're bringing Collie Osho off, bring even bring Trezor on, bring Odebur on, bring Zaruri on, a winger who can actually who who's got more of, a, of an uh, who's got more of an attacking threat, um, and then I think the second part to that is once that first goal goes in, and the way we conceded it is probably like oh well, here we here we go yeah. again, and it seemed like it just groundhog day again, isn't it? Like like I say, groundhog day, and I think it just knocked the stuffing out the lights, and then like even the last ten minutes just slow passing it lumber. What I'd like to see is it's like company at the moment, he's just making like like for like substitutions. So we'll take a winger yeah. off and put another winger on. Or, like, why not try and change shape? Go two up front. You know, try and do something a little bit different than just the same old. Especially when we go 1-0 down. Because um, 
at the moment, it's just frustrating. Like, I've been a big backer of a company, but I understand people who are frustrated by him because the decisions he's making are unusual. And there's, like, an unwillingness to change the shape within a game to try and get back in it. Um, so, to me, yeah. Tuesday night on the back of a really positive on Saturday, you know, I was, I was really despondent after the game. I was really disappointed because it felt like, to me, West Ham and Wolves, we have just thrown points away. We have literally just handed points to our opposition. Yeah. yeah. Without them having to try very hard either, no, they've literally not no. had to do much to to get that. It, it's no. and we were wolves were there for the take, and it's like we, we really dictated. I thought the the pace and the flow of the game in the first half, and fine, it you know from a from a spectator's perspective, there wasn't an awful lot happening, and it was a game that was crying out for a goal. But from one of the supporters' perspectives, we were it was very even, and we matched them, and and you know. It, there were times in that first half where we absolutely bettered them again. Um, you talked a bit there about just that Groundhog Day and that the same mistakes again. Um, this insistence that we have to be a side that plays out from the back all the time, and it was creeping in again for the Wolves' day. We nearly got caught out so many times. And I think over the last couple of games, James Trafford particularly has looked a little bit more confident he's not had a massive amount to do I accept that but he started to get a little bit more strength and a bit more a bit quicker but there were at least three or four times in that game uh, on Tuesday where that lazy short pass again that wasn't quite on and the risk that he didn't need to take and we nearly got caught out two or three times again and it's these kind of things which that I'm getting frustrated at that we're not learning lessons and it's like we don't we don't need to be as far down the table as we are. We don't need to write off this season now and say, well, the Premier League's a different beast and it's unforgiving and we've got no chance anymore. Let's just wave the white flag and go down. It doesn't have to be this way. No, I don't think we are waving the white flag, but it's just it's just naivety at times. I think it's, it's a difficult one. It's a catch-22. To be our most effective, we have to play out from the back because what's the, if we hit it long, we're not going to keep it. So if we, we hit, can it long, hit it longer and not too long, though, we can just. Yeah, but if we hit it long, even it, it don't matter how whether it's, we're not gonna the ball's just gonna come back anyway. But how do we how do we eliminate them? How do we deal with that problem at the back though? Because I'll, I'll, I'll give you one. Do I don't want to be. I don't want to be a scapegoat. O'Shea is not good enough to play the way no, we're wanting him not. to play. He's not. And I feel sorry for him. And I'm really not one who likes to dig out individual players, but he is not good enough. Trafford at the moment isn't good enough with his feet. Mm. So we're in that like kind of like limbo. Um, I don't think Trafford did anything wrong the other day. I thought it was O'Shea and Burge's fault. O'Shea is there's kind a of few like, passes got... that I think that it, that were a bit wayward. I'd say maybe three. Well, or you, four. But like you watch top level goalies. This is the way football's gone now. Allison, yeah, Allison does it. Edison does it. You know, I watched Tottenham last night. They give two terrible goals away. No, that's um, a good, that's a really good that's a really fair point in terms of balance. You, you, you can't go from one to the other and go, I was sick of watching Dice lump it. Yeah. And then go back to why we're playing out from the back too much. Yes, there's got to be a balance, but the problem is we don't have the players to hit it forward. Like we just, and actually, we don't have an awful lot of strength up top either to bring no, the ball we're, we're down. Not We've not got we a not, Chris Wood or an Ashley Barnes anymore. When you know, so it's a real difficult one. It is a really difficult one. I don't think there's a a set answer that says why we're going to con- stop conceding these goals, other than 
Like, I'm not being funny. Burge, as much as I like him, he's a professional footballer. His first touch, he's five yards away from him. Yeah. Even with somebody under pressure on your back, that is not a good first touch. Like, yeah, I'd be disappointed if I did that touch in a game. Um, but that that one moment in the game just can't. Yeah, we've conceded a goal, and that's what cost us. But I'm more almost concerned about just our lack of intensity in the second half. Yeah. To get back into the game, like right, we're one 0 down. We've played well, right? Let's go again. And the amount of times this season where second half performances have been way worse than first half is is concerning. That's concerning to me. But we've not got ninety minutes in us, have we? At no, all. but going back to the original point, it's a really, really difficult one, and you've got to have. You the problem is you've got to have really, real top players to play this this way, and this is why Dyche played the way he did for so long. But Dyche had more physical players in his side that could play that that could play that way, and so then is this a coaching like, problem then, though, Rich? If if companies trying to force them to play in a way that they're not yet ready, that's his style and that's idiot. his philosophy. One one like one thing that as a coach you've got to believe in what you believe in. If you start changing your philosophy and your beliefs all the time, then I, I don't think you're true to yourself as a person. Um, Even if whether it means it's the right thing or lack not, of success. People say 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 that again. Even sorry. if it means lack of success that season until you're ready, I don't that's know the price you pay. I think football's gone to a way now where philosophy has got more important than results, which is madness. But that's the wow, way. What we've... a statement! I love but it. But that's the way it's. But that's the way it's gone. And... Philosophy over results. That's I get for the second show in a row. You've so, given us our podcast title. So you've got to look <laughs> at somebody like Company. His long-term goal isn't to manage Burnley forever. No. His long-term goal is to be an elite manager, and if he's doing what Dyche did or doing what Rob Edwards is doing at Luton, you're not gonna get them top jobs anymore. So no. he's not gonna so he's not gonna avert himself away from this style and ALK are not gonna want to avert themselves away from this style. And if you are somebody like Tom, who was very, very pro Dyche, he doesn't like this type of football, um, then that's fine. But I think if he was a person who was lamenting the end of Dyche's reign and complaining about the style of football that we played, then you can't, can't, I don't think you have the right to kind of start complaining about us playing out from the back. If that's, I, I don't know. I don't it's think very people different. are complaining about, I don't think if people are complaining about But is it company's fault if Burge does a bad touch? Can I just put that back on it? Is it company's fault if a midfielder who you paid a lot of money for? Who's a Norway? Who captain no. Norway? So like people, are, I do not like O'Shea, and O'Shea probably shouldn't have played that pass, and it wasn't the best pass. But when somebody controls a ball five yards in front yeah. of them, no, that's like so, or when Bayer, I like so this is the difficult one, isn't it? Right. So obviously, a company doesn't want them to like just kick the ball in touch, but. When Bayer does that mistake and then slips for the Palace goal, is that company's fault? No, no. But um, I guess I guess the question that we're raising is, it's we're not sitting here and saying, oh, for the first time this season, there were some wayward passes at the back or some mistakes which led to a goal. Let's change the whole season. 
what we're saying, this is like what game 14 of this happening, where repetitive mistakes are happening all the time and there's a consistency in things that are going wrong. So that's the question mark. It's like, well, at this moment in time, what you're asking them to do is resulting in consistent mistakes that are leading to goals. So no, I'm not expecting a, a change. I'm, I agree with you. I much prefer us playing out from the back and I actually miss... I miss Murich being part of that because I thought he was fundamental to that pass. What I'm saying is, is that when you step up a level, when those players aren't yet able to perform at that level, can you tweak it to just make it a little safer so to stay within tweak? that? What would, so what would you do differently? I think, well, I think mix it up for a start. You know, get give your defence and your players the, the confidence and the ability to say... If, you know, play from the back where there is a safe pass, you don't make any risks. If there's any danger at all or the pass is just too risky, use your brain. Or if you're being rushed into a decision, go longer. Just get rid of it and play the safer ball. To me, it feels a bit like company and his players are too scared to what it would look like to the outside world if they play a longer ball or they play a little bit safer. Are they going to get people looking down the nose at them? Are they going to be like, oh, but you know, barely, barely they don't play modern progressive football. As a fan looking at it and, anal and analysing it to the way that I have, that's what it feels like to me. So I'm questioning whether until we get more confident, more experienced, a bit in more in, in peak for these players, can we drill it into them? Look, don't make those risks. If you're under pressure or you're having to make a decision too quickly or you're just not sure have the confidence without question to just take it a little bit longer. Does that, you're, you're a technician, not me, so I'm asking this question. No, no, it's, Will it's, that eliminate that, those it's mistakes? A, it's, it's a really difficult one because I think the way football is going now, it's that risk-reward of playing out from the yeah. back. If a team presses you, you obviously risk giving the ball away and, and the team counter-attacking you. But if you beat that press... Your base, you know, some sometimes you can have a three on three and and you're kind of running through on yeah. goal. So it is football at the moment is very risk reward. It is very risk reward, particularly in and the top got, flight. Yeah, it is in the top flight. Like Tottenham started the season brilliantly. You know, they were getting praise left, right, and centre. And all of a sudden now, teams have worked them out a little bit, and teams are pressing them a little bit differently now. And Tottenham has started conceding a lot of goals. Yes, they've had injuries. And Postacoglu's not going to change his style no. of football, is he? And this is where I think... It's a shocking month. They haven't won have they yeah, for a month, oh, something like they've that. They've had injuries and, and whatnot. But like this is where Pep is a genius. We're going off track here, but this is where no, Pep's, a genius. Pep's a genius because he's come into English football and he's made everybody else play the way he wants to play. But City have the best players at doing that. Yeah. And nobody else now, but nobody... like. City to me are still win the league, even though they've had a bad little run. Oh, you think and, so? Yeah, hundred percent. I have no doubt. I wow. can say that at the end of the season. But and and it's like everybody else now because Pep's such a genius. It's like any other managers, if they play a different way, they're seen as being a dinosaur, as whatever or whatever. And it'll and it'll kind of. I just think if you don't play football the right way now, and you start having a bad run of results, you're more likely to get sacked. And if you play the right way and don't get results. Okay, and that's think, interesting. And yeah. I think this is why football has, has has turned that way. So it's a real it's a I agree with you. I, I think there's times I think I think there's 
it, there's, there's two parts to this. You've got company, obviously, telling the players to play that way. And some of the players aren't good enough, which is company's fault. But then at the same time, these guys are still professional footballers. You know, like, it's Should not company's fault. to rely on them if, to do their job. It's and not company's fault if Bayer has a terrible... Oh, sorry. If Bayer kind of slips and yeah. doesn't head the ball away or if Burge does a poor touch. So the the two changes I would make, which you want, at least one in particular, I'd bring Ekdal, now Bayer's back, I'd bring Ekdal in for O'Shea. I thought yeah. Ekdal was... Ekdal and Bayer, yeah. Ekdal is our they best. They have to be our first two, that have to be our first choice centre-half pairing. Bayer is a bit better on the ball, but Ekdal is our best defender. Yeah, In terms Agreed. of just defending, he is our best defender. Um, and I'd still bring, I think Trafford's, Getting a little bit better, but I'd still, I just think Muric just suits the way we play a lot. I would more. love to see Muric have a chance. I really do. I don't one, think, I don't think he's ready. I don't think Trafford's ready. No, I, and one thing we've missed from last season, we found a little bit of a style. We had Barnes up top, who was a bit more physical, and we had Teller, who's running in behind. Now we've got Amduni playing number 10, who's a fantastic footballer, but he's a different number 10. Yeah. He's someone who drops in a little bit deeper, he takes a ball and a half turn, he won't run in behind. So we've lost that threat, really, that we had from last season in terms of kind of running Particularly without Foster in, in the squad as well at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Was... So it, it's, it's been challenging. And now with Collie Osho out, you're kind of thinking, God, what what where's the pace going to come from now to stretch teams? I think Odenberg's yeah. got that pace, but is he ready yet for the Premier League? He's shown glimpses of what he of what he can do. And so, thought was always all right when he came on. On, on yeah, he, he's decent, but he looks like the wind could blow him over. He's not, you know, he came on deadline day. He's probably not. He's <laughs> he had an injury, didn't he? Though even yeah, before, he so yeah. like he's probably not, not got a chance to get. He's probably not got a chance to get fully fit, and he's been thrown into, and, it, and it's not easy. It's you know we've spent a lot of money, but it's still not easy for a lot of these lads to come yeah, and adapt no, I to get the. It. To the style, and everybody's crying out for Zaruri, which is fine. Do I think Zaruri probably should have got more minutes? Yeah, Zaruri. I don't think Zaruri would have made much different to what to the, to our points tally this season. No, no, because it's still a step up for him as well. And and some of the challenges yeah. that we're facing with some of our wingers, Zaruri is playing the same one. I do find it a little bit odd that he's completely fallen off the radar. And some match days, he's not even made the squad. Yeah, it's Benson's a, it a bit unusual. different. He's injured. He's and apparently the last time. Apparently somebody saw him a few days ago and I can't, I can't remember because he told me this, I remember shortly, um, and apparently could barely walk. So mm. we've not had any comms on what's going on with Benson, but yeah. apparently he's in a bad way. So not great. Okay. It's, it's Yeah. yeah. No, go on. It's not it. easy. No, I do agree with what you're saying. I think at, at times we do need to maybe be a little bit more pragmatic. If the pass isn't on, go a little bit longer, try and win a channel ball, try and win some second balls, get up the pitch. But yeah. on the same time to that, it's not always company's fault if players make mistakes. No, I agree. no, I completely agree. Completely that, agree. You know, but yeah. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. One hundred percent online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. 
So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good stuff. Right, let's move on um, away from that. That was a great debate. Thanks, Rich. Um, I love having you on because it gets all technical and it's really good. Um, We are, of course, playing um, Brighton this weekend. Um, We have got a few quiz questions that we need to ask you through. Dave isn't with us today, but he has given us some stats ahead of this game. So I don't think we're going to read all of them out, but we will give some of you. I'll start off with his quiz question. As you will be familiar with now, um, Dave asks you to name those players who have represented both Burnley and our opposition in the post-war period up to the end of last season. This week, we've only got three who've played for both Burnley and Brighton that have played more than 50 games, league games for both clubs. Got to the end of the episode to think about this. Have a think about who you want to vote for, who you want to, to put forward as your answers. In terms of a match summary then, um, as well as the three seasons together in the third tier during the 90s, Burnley have spent a further 10 seasons together with Brighton in the second tier and five more in the top flight prior to this current campaign. We've won five of those previous 18 away league matches with seven draws and six defeats. We've scored 17 goals in those matches and have only conceded 18 Promising stat ahead of this weekend, which Dave has pulled out for us, is that we are unbeaten in our five away trips so far in the top flight, picking up a couple of wins and three draws. It is, of course, Brighton away Saturday, the 9th of December. It's a 3pm kickoff, not broadcast live anywhere in the UK. Um, do you have any favourable memories of Brighton games, Rich? Yeah, so we actually thought, I'm pretty sure it, was it for his birthday? I can't remember, but anyway, so it was one August we played Brighton, because uh, which is the month for my dad's birthday. So it, it, I can't remember what birthday it was, but we went down to the Amex, stayed overnight. Um, a new that that was a new ground at the time, and we managed to get a one-all draw. Jeff, we we got we got battered, but Jeff Hendricks scored a lovely equaliser in the last minute, and we managed ah. to get a one-all draw. And then we had um, yeah, you know, a lovely evening in Brighton. So that's kind of like a good memory for you know for me there. So. Yeah, good. Well, one of the and of course the Michael Keane. Oh, Michael. yeah, yeah, with the oh, with the yes. justice call. Yeah, I, I wasn't Keane at that one, but good. yeah. Well, Dave's given us a few uh, matches to look at here. One of his matches in his regular feature of one to remember and one to forget. He gives us a good one to remember. It's Burnley's biggest away win against Brighton and Hove Albion, which came in our most recent Premier League campaign before the current season. That was, of course, February 2022. Sean Dash was, of course, still in charge back then. And like the rest of us, was delighted with a very welcome away victory. Vout Vegoist opened the scoring after 22 minutes with his first goal for the club. And Josh Brownell doubled the lead just before the break. Aaron Lennon made it three after 69 minutes to put the result beyond any doubt. It was Burnley's first win in the league in 13 attempts since beating Brentford 3-1 at Turf Moor back at the end of October and just the third league win of the season to date. 
The board stuck with Sean Dyche at the time for another couple of months at least, in which we picked up another couple of wins. But unfortunately, that was a season that we ended without Sean Dyche in charge and with relegation. Let's hope that history does not repeat itself. Um, just a couple of stats before we move on to have a look ahead of that game. Rich, we're going to look at our referee in charge. We're going to see the return of 41-year-old Simon Hooper from Swindon, who's an official who has been somewhat of a lucky charm for us in the past. His previous 13 matches in charge have produced a very impressive eight wins, three draws and just two defeats. He's yet to produce a red card in these past matches, but has shown more yellow cards to Burnley players at 23 than our opponents at just 18. Michael Oliver is a video assistant referee in this weekend's match. So, it's the game, Rich. Jordan Bay is available again. He only had one match suspension for those five yellow cards. But obviously, Luko Kolyosha's knee injury is going to keep him out of action for several months. Brighton have got problems of their own with currently seven players ruled out for injury, but it's still nonetheless going to be a difficult game ahead um, at the Amex. So, what's your feeling? It is the Amex, isn't it? Yes. yes. What is your feeling ahead of that game? I think we'll get beat. <laughs> I can't think anything else, can you? How can you think anything else? And here is end of our feature on Brighton away. Thanks, Rich. No, I'm only joking. Go on, carry on. You, how, just how we're Brighton are a great side. How how can you think of anything else? It's just if I come on here and say, "Oh, we're gonna win," it's all. It's just not realistic, is it? It is realistic, <laughs> so, but sometimes we can run. We can, sometimes we can run with our hearts, Rich. Not just. It's difficult, isn't it? Because we've been beaten this season so many times that. All the optimism has been sucked out of our souls, and it's very difficult. Yeah, how can you be optimistic when you've won two games all season and they are only against teams who got promoted with us? So, <laughs> we drew like, away. We drew away at Forest. That was a good result. Yeah, we probably should have won. But um, yeah, one thing is Brighton's not kept a clean sheet at all this year, so we might have some luck um, on that side of it. So every game they've had this season, there's been above uh, teams have scored in it, so there might be goals um, in this game. We're usually uh, very, um, what's the word, generous in terms of, of stopping stats like that at Burnley, don't we? If, if a team's not won for ages, they'll, we'll give them a win. We, yeah. I always feel like we're a little bit... Yeah, so, listen... But what, how they... are we going to place Collioshaw first? Let's go with that one. Who do I think? <clears throat> Sorry, I, I think he'll be placing with Trezor. I, think... I wouldn't mind seeing Trezor getting a run of games. Yeah, 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 uh... same. But like to be fair, you could just you know pick put you put your hand in a draw and just pick, pick them out. <laughs> One of the four to four hundred wingers that we've yeah, got. You know, you've in got the like Oliver, Redmond, obviously Gunnarsson, Trezor, Zaruri. So I think you might start all. with Redmond, you know, rather than Trezor. Yeah, but to me, it's like I don't mind Redmond, but it's a little bit negative for me. He's a, yeah. he's all right, but I if I would who would I pick? Oh, I'd probably pick if if I was to pick. I'd probably pick Trezor. I'd like to see him have a decent run of games and have a go. And yeah, I'd like to keep Brunlar Brun and keep... He was a bit more quiet against Wolves, but you're only <laughs> going to get better the more you play. You know, that's it. I think if you keep chopping and changing, what he plays one week drop, you know, you need a consistent run of games. Yeah. Um. So I'd like to I'd like to see where Bay will come back in and I'd like to see Ekdal partnering. I think that's yeah. pretty obvious. I think Vettino's done a decent job. I, yeah, me I too, actually. Mm. I don't think he's good enough for this level either. Um, but but he's, no worse, he's no worse than Conor Roberts. I don't think it matters. Like much, it's just a weak there. position, yeah. They've, they've both got <laughs> pros and cons and different pros and cons. 
I thought Taylor really struggled against Wolves, actually. I know he got a yellow. He got caught out quite a lot. Yeah. Overall, he's, he's been quite he's, consistent, though, hasn't he? Yeah, he's done well, Taylor. Yeah. He's, done, he's done well. So, they're going to run us ragged at times. They're going to run it. We're going to need luck. We're going to need our goalkeeper to make some really good saves. We're going to need, you know, maybe to be more clinical with the chances we have. And, you know, you're just going to say you hope and you never know. With with Brighton having Europe this season, I don't think they've been quite as consistent um, as what they have been in, in the past. Um, but you know they're still a fab, they're still a fab, fabulous side. I think ALK they look at what Brighton and Brentford have done and 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 they want us to emulate that. That that's the clubs who Good. we're looking to emulate. I think we yeah, should be doing yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but at some point you've got to stay in the Premier League for more than a year, obviously under ALK to be. You know, to be able to do that. Um, but obviously time will tell on that one. But yeah, I got nothing but respect for for Brighton. I think yeah, me too. everything they've done, they've done it with class. I love what I personally absolutely love watching them play. They play with enthusiasm, they play with vigor. The football is fantastic to watch. Um the business model is absolutely brilliant and they just keep churning up these outstanding players. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I think it's like Hinchelwood. I think he's like an eighteen-year-old academy, you know, a young English player from the academy scored. Oh, I don't know him. I think he scored one of the goals midweek. I can't remember. If it, I think it was the winner actually, the second goal, and Pascal Grove scored the first. Um, and there was another young midfielder. I can't remember his name. Was 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 starting. Um, I can't remember where he was from. Maybe. Um, but yeah, they're, they're just a lovely side. So it's going to be very very difficult. Like I said, I think we'll be run ragged at, at times. We'll be stretched and pulled, but. Who knows? We might be able to, you know, to get something out of it because that Everton game the week after is absolutely huge, isn't it? Yeah, so it'd be massive. good to at least get a point Ugh. and you know a bit of positivity to go into that one. Well, give me a score prediction then, please, Rich. Do you want me to give my honest score prediction? I'll give one that'll make you happy for the podcast. Which would you rather? Give me your honest one. We'll lose two, two nil. Right. Well, I'm going to bring. Three, I'm gonna... three one. We'll score. Three one. Okay. Well, I'm going to yeah. say. 1-1, one, one. I think we'll get a point. And I think it'll be a well-earned point. So there you go. Nice bit of balance on the podcast. Um, we'll end this preview show and then with a couple of... And we don't have an opposition view for this week. We couldn't get hold of anybody from Brighton to give us their thoughts. So I'm going to give you um, Dave's miscellaneous stats of the week and the quiz answers, and then we will wrap up this week. So Dave's present to you all in this Advent period is as follows. Burnley have failed to keep a clean sheet in any of the Premier League away matches this season, which has been seven to date, or the last seven Premier League away matches of the 2021-2022 season, taking that unwanted sequence to 14 games. The last time we managed to keep a clean sheet in a Premier League away match was on our last visit to the Amex in far at Farmer, <clears throat> which was the three-way away win we mentioned earlier in our one to remember match so there you go that's a good start um for those of you who were playing along with uh dave's quiz question we asked you which three players had locked up more than 50 league appearances for burnley and bratton or valbion between the end of 1946 and the end of 2023 20 sorry 22 23 season any guesses one of them i've got ashley Barnes, of course Ashley Barnes is number one, 268 appearances for Clarets, 149 for Brighton. Any others? 
I, I've got a random one. I I don't know. I've actually I know Volks played for Brighton too, but he, I think he was only on 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 loan. Correct. Um, yeah. Of his many loan clubs, Ian Cox. This is a real random. No, show. I mean these are all ones, but they are just then they haven't got to more than fifty games. They are quite old ones. The twos that we want coming in at number second was Willie Irving. 126 appearances for the Clarets and 69 for Brighton. A lovely gentleman he is as well. Lovely, lovely gentleman. Yeah, very lovely gentleman. Um, And Kurt Nogan comes in at number three, 92 appearances for Burnley and 97 for Brighton. Um, FPL, known and ever managers, it's the start of a brand new FPL game week, which will begin with a Saturday afternoon lunchtime kickoff between Palace and Liverpool. So deadline for transfers and team changes will be 11am on Saturday morning. Green arrows to all of you who are playing along. My thanks as ever go to everybody who has contributed to this previous show. To Statman Dave, who is absent today, but is always in our hearts. Dave, thank you so much for preparing those fantastic stats ahead of a game for me and Rich. Anyway, it really is appreciated and we can't wait to see you back next week. Uh, Rich, for jumping in at the 11th hour and doing a previous show for us. Thank you as ever. Um, and that's all we've got time for. Um, Godspeed to all of you traveling down to Brighton. What a trek that is. I sincerely hope with everything in my body that you get three points to bring home with you. You are all legends for making that trip down there. We'll be back next week with an analysis show and a preview show ahead of that Everton game. Um, and we will see you all soon. This has been the preview show brought to you by the Known and Ever podcast. Until next time. The Known and Ever podcast is brought to you in association with the TalkSport Fan Network. Our host and editor is Natalie Bromley and the show is produced by Matt Moss. Our resident statistician is Dave Roberts and our FPL expert is Adam Dennett. The analysis show team is collectively Tom Whitaker, Rich Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby and Adam Dennett. Our music is provided by George Gaskell and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting nonenever.substack.com. Thanks as ever go to our partners, TalkSport. We are proud to be associated with the TalkSport Fan Network. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.